It's Saturday, October 10, 2009, and I've decided to try something a little different. In an effort to improve my voice and the way I read texts, I'm going to read a few of my, my posts, uh, some of my longer posts, really. And the one I'm reading today is called Choosing Between Academic and Corporate Lives. Did I make the wrong choice? For the past couple of days, I've been in Idaho at a pre-professional writing conference at Brigham Young University, Idaho. The purpose of the writing conference is to bring published poets, novelists, editors, professional writers into the campus to give students a glimpse into the potential careers they want to enter. And this is my second year presenting to students about technical writing. You may have read a post on my blog last year titled, Debunking the Boredom Myth of Technical Writing. And in that post, I tried to disabuse students of the idea that technical writing is nothing but boredom and drudgery. But this year, I decided to focus on something a little more practical, seven steps to getting a job in technical writing. But that's not the focus of this post or of this podcast. This year, the conference really made me think and reflect about the academic life that I chose not to follow, and I had to evaluate whether that choice was right. A little background. From 2002 to 2004, I taught writing courses at the American University in Cairo, that's Egypt, with about 20 other composition instructors. Among those instructors, I met Josh Allen and his wife Susie, who quickly became our best friends in Egypt. I had a lot in common with Josh. Both of us were composition instructors. Both of us were Mormon, the only Mormon teachers at the American University in Cairo. Both of us were married, and we had children about the exact same ages. Both of us were first-timers in Egypt, and we both loved writing and literature in the university setting. After a couple of years at AUC, however, I began to question whether teaching was really my vocation. Grading was just drudgery, composition syllabi were dull, and my job seemed to have little future. I looked ahead at several options. I could remain a composition instructor, continuing with roughly the same pay and lifestyle, with little prospects of advancement only to find that age 40 I had absolutely no real career. Or I could get a PhD in literature and try to move up the academic scale as a professor. And as a professor, I would probably need to publish scholarly essays on a regular basis. Or I could reject both of those options and follow a prompting I kept feeling to be the writer rather than teach writing. I chose the last option. After two years, I ended my teaching career at AUC and moved to Florida, where I turned to professional writing, first becoming a copywriter, and then moving into technical writing. My colleague Josh took a different route. He left AUC at the same time I did, but instead he applied for a teaching position at BYU-Idaho which recognized his MFA as an acceptable degree for teaching literature classes, not just writing classes. So he moved to Rexburg, Idaho, which is a small town that really wouldn't exist if it weren't for the college, and he started his four classes a semester schedule, comfortably settling into a spacious home with a garage, I swear, the size of an airplane hangar. 
Every morning, Josh wakes up early for his 8 a.m. classes. He starts discussions about classic works such as My Antonia or The Catcher in the Rye or some novel by Henry James. He has one or two technical writing or composition classes each semester as well. He meets with students. He reads at length in his office. He even told me how he keeps the door mostly shut, but not all the way shut, as he reads. And he pretty much lives the academic life. The life of an academic seems rich to me. Not material, materially rich, of course, but intellectually rich. Dozens of books line your shelves. You're immersed in constant learning. You're surrounded by ambitious, dreamy-eyed students who haven't yet become jaded. You have your summers off, during which you can bury yourself in the novel or short story collection you're writing. Even during the semester, your schedule is flexible enough for you to come home during the afternoons and eat lunch or an early dinner with your family. Being at this conference, this writing conference, surrounded by academics discussing recent books they've read, or listening to a poet read his work, hearing a novelist discuss how she adds energy to her, fi- her fiction, how she gets inside her characters' heads to imagine how they would act in certain situations. It made me, it made me remember my creative writing days at Columbia School of the Arts as both a student and a graduate instructor. As a student, I spent much of my time reading and writing, cut off from the world around me. I had freedom to roam the lost books in the library, to open a blank page and fill it with everything and nothing. I rarely looked at a clock. I could latch on to an idea and pursue it wherever it would take me. Every week, I wrote dozens of pages. Our classes met in workshop settings where we talked about narrative structures and characters and significance and story meaning and arc. I also taught composition courses to college freshmen, and I had freedom to assign my own essay prompts. I'd love to spin controversial ideas to students and also respond with copious feedback on the essays they submitted. Sometimes I assigned essays for them to read as the prompts. I could have continued in that academic setting, perhaps pursuing a PhD and turning to other publications. I could have looked for a job at a small liberal arts school somewhere. Instead, I chose to become a technical writer. I figuratively turned in my university library card and stopped trying to publish creative works. I now wake up in the morning and drive to work parking my car outside a shiny high-tech looking building. After riding the elevator to the third floor, I make my way to a cubicle where I dock my laptop, read and respond to emails in Microsoft Outlook, and work on help materials for a handful of applications, writing help mainly for users whom I will never see or meet. Did I choose the wrong route? Should I have instead pursued a teaching position in a small college in a sleepy nowhere town? Should I be waking up in the morning reading Henry James novels and preparing notes for an 8 a.m. lecture? I talked with Josh about company life versus academic life, and which one was better. Josh had previously spent a few years as a contract technical writer before teaching, 
but he found that documenting software all day left him with a sense of emptiness. It provided no thought-provoking discussions. It lacked immersion in good literature. Whole endeavor felt a little bit worthless to him. It was just a job for a paycheck with no intellectual engagement or inspiration. He had just returned from teaching a class on Mayantinia when I met up with him. He'd been discussing the search for the American dream and how that idea plays out in Willa Cather novels. Josh has a sharp mind, and he can analyze reasoning from pretty much any subject you bring to him. As we walked around the gardens of BYU-Idaho's campus, he asked what the appeal of company life has for me. Why would anyone choose to work in a company rather than burying himself in the classics and academic discussions? What real value does company life have for me? Honestly, I didn't know. And this started to trouble me. As I slept that night, I tried to figure out what propelled me to move away from academia into the corporate sphere. Did I make the wrong choice? The next day we talked some more. And as we talked, I, I did begin to see an argument forming, but it wasn't entirely clear. It wasn't until I was listening to a podcast a booklust podcast with Michael Perry, who's a nonfiction writer, that I began to understand. In an interview about his creative works, Nancy Pearl asks Michael Perry, you've now written four books and they're all about your life and experiences in the world. Talk about how that came about. And Michael responds, the reason the books are as they are is that I was always living and working in a quote unquote real place while I was writing. So when I had the opportunity to write books, I just wrote about what was around me. And part of that was being on the local volunteer fire department with my brothers and my mom, being a resident in a small northern Wisconsin town. And now that I have a little family and we've moved to a farm and we're raising our own food or most of it, I guess for me, if I'm going to write creative nonfiction essay style work, if there's going to be any veracity to that work, it comes from actually living it. In other words, what, what Perry is saying is that living and experiencing the world gives you content for your writing. It gives you substance to write about something in a natural way. And this substance is exactly what I lacked as a grad student in a creative writing program at Columbia. We had time to write, time to read, but we didn't have substance in our writing. Our essays ended up exhausting our personal experiences. Our lives seemed all that we had to write about. I ended up writing missionary stories about my two years in Venezuela. Another student wrote about her dying mother with cancer. Another student wrote about her stint as a nurse in a psychiatric ward. Another wrote about her sordid affairs with married men. And another wrote about a, a past relationship with a rich guy in Soho. Uh, these essays had all the literary devices of narrative nonfiction, but the writing lacked substance and information. It was too navel-gazing and self-centered. It was hard to get outside of our lives, trapped in the cloister of the university. It was almost as if our lives had been paused the minute we entered the writing program. We could only look back on what had taken place before. 
I listened to another podcast with writers who explained a similar problem. One of the writers had a good friend who moved to Ireland so she could write. In Ireland, she hunkered down in solitude and wrote and wrote and wrote. But her writing lacked substance. The sentences were highly refined and polished, but boring. Those same events that seem to take us away from our writing are also what give us substance in our writing, or so the writers on the podcast explained. A writer needs to be immersed in the world to have something to write about. You can only experience and learn so much from within the walls of a classroom. This is one of the reasons I like Ted Conover so much. Conover goes out into the world and lives and writes about it. For example, he spends a whole summer riding the rails with hobos and writes a book titled Rolling Nowhere. Or he goes to Aspen to live among the rich and writes Whiteout. He becomes a prison guard at Sing Sing and writes New Jack. His living in the world, almost like a social anthropologist, is what provides him the material to write about. Conover explains, I feel a writer's real job is to be out there with people who are strange to you. Could Conover have written any of his books while being cloistered in the university? His work is nonfiction, but even fiction writers can't just sit in a library and imagine everything. As much as I like Ted Conover's immersive method, it does seem difficult. I, I can't simply uproot and immerse myself in an unfamiliar setting, having three kids and a mortgage, but I feel that entering the field of technical writing rather than remaining in the university has given me substance to write about. Immersion in projects within a corporate setting brings up all kinds of issues to write about. Wikis, content strategy, community, data, usability, print versus online formats, quick reference guides, single sourcing, help authoring tools, the STC, presenting at conferences, context-sensitive help, podcasting, and so on. If you were to take away my experiences in the company setting, the thoughts and the problems problems and the ideas and situations that arise from being involved in these projects, you would also take away the substance from my writing. I would pretty much be in the same situation I was in grad school, twiddling my thumbs looking for content from random personal experiences that I could string together. But having a career in the world gives me a framework of content to write about which I can then approach from a literary perspective as a writer. I can take a topic that might otherwise be pretty dull and try to make a story out of it. I can approach an issue as a literary essay, mixing personal experience with information and reflection, and the result won't be navel-gazing and insubstantial. I'm not saying that academics can't venture out into the real world, nor am I saying that being a technical writer is the equivalent of being an anthropologist like Conover. But I am saying that perhaps for a creative writer, it's better to avoid being cloistered. It's better to move outside the classroom into the world because that gives you something substantial to write about. You can make other arguments about the value of company life over academic life. For example, 
Living in the world allows you to carry out the ideas of the classroom, or the world allows you to prove and evaluate what you read in the library, or the world gives you an opportunity to serve others with the knowledge that you acquire in the university. But for me, as a writer, it comes down to having substance to write about, and that substance isn't always apparent inside the classroom. Some subjects, I'm pretty sure, will always remain in the university. For example, arcane philosophical discussions, especially about existence. Abstract discussions about the American dream, for example, or transformations of identity through the writing process in John Barth's novels, which, of course, was my undergraduate thesis that I've never returned to or thought about after my defense. I'm happy to leave those ideas in the classrooms. An idea that only has merit inside a classroom that emerges from an assigned text may be refreshing, but it is not the substance of my life.